You're gonna wake in three, two, Welcome back to another episode of Wild Wild Westworld. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Ballack, and take my heart when you go, Mr. Sean Faw. Take mine in its place. Oh, so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So here we are in probably one of your favorite episodes because I know how much you love reading. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, you know, that is certainly a, a conflict in this episode. I must point out <laughs> reading this, is uh, a conflict. Well, yes, reading is always a conflict for me. Um, but I must also point out that it is uh, balanced out by one of the first episodes where we had uh, uh, excessive nudity. So, uh, you know, things kind of balanced out there. Uh, this ends up being actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Despite all of the reading, um, I I like this one a lot. Got it. And was it just because of the nudity? It certainly helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the factors I, in heavily. Yeah, even the side of that. Um, you know, just it, it, the whole exploration of Westworld from an angle that we never saw and honestly never thought we would saw see really. Um, you know, the the whole uh, Ghost Nation uh, perspective, and especially this specific character, mm-hmm. is um, you know something that was probably hinted at more than we think in the background but it seemed like a a big surprise totally and like looking back at season one i could think of um even talking about like who's carving mazes into scalps and stuff like that (laughs) just assuming they would never really get into that but nope they had it all figured out um, from what I heard, not maybe. <laughs> um, so the I think if I have my facts correct, the original guy that uh, the man in black scalps in the first season, uh, that character or the actor that played that character ended up dying either during the season or in between the seasons. And there was a much larger arc planned for that. So I don't know if they drafted that arc onto this new Ghost Nation character or if, you know, that was the plan all along. But there definitely was a shifting of some sorts of shenaniganery in the background, as far as I understand. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. But I did not um, catch that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was just some random uh, blurb I happened to skim across at some point. <laughs> um, and not that that really should have any meaning on the in-world context of the show, but uh it is, you know, just interesting to note. Uh, it, def- it definitely feels like it was planned and things were like leading up to this, though. Yeah, well, it certainly um, had to have been and, and was was planned. And it was, yeah, it was interesting because we, we've seen the, this this character pop up again this season. So we knew there's going to be something to him with, um, you know, first being there with William and Logan and the, uh, mm-hmm. the sort of test run party. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the original pitchmen that they had uh, sent out with, um, what's her name? The the perfect one that blew up the, uh, the cradle. Uh, the cradle. <laughs> Last yeah. Day. yeah, totally. So yeah, he's there from the beginning. This is sort of like in Westworld terms, like Westworldian Old Testament, because this is sort of like, uh, I've heard it compared to like this Native American character, sort of like the Moses, because he has this mm. sort of like direct commune and like able to talk directly with God just catches Ford hanging out like playing with his set pieces 
Yeah, he also seems to be the first one to become conscious. So I think he, it seems like he reached consciousness before Dolores. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he was able to at least hold on to it differently or in a more covert, covert manner than Dolores. So I think he's been wake, woke, woken longer than anyone and more continuously than anyone. Yeah, it's almost like Ford knew that that was certainly possible or maybe an Arnold had told him that this sort of thing could happen and that it's catching on and maybe he didn't really take it seriously. And then he's like, oh, you're one of them. How fascinating. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose. But like, how did they just lose a robot in the park? <laughs> like, uh, right. They, to, you know, I mean, at the at the beginning, there was only maybe like 50 robots or so when the park opened is like what I kind of gather. So how much could there have been? Yeah. <laughs> how, how did they not know that this guy was missing? But like uh, when they bring him back to be reprogrammed after, well, I guess we're jumping ahead quite a bit there. No, well, yeah, but, we can uh, just jump. At least it's all mainly one storyline this episode for the most yeah. part. Yeah, Jump, jump, jump around. Um, so at the, uh, I guess like towards the middle end ish portion, um, where he, or I guess that's a little bit, I don't know, middle beginning, somewhere in there. Uh, he decides that the only way to, uh, to get to his lost love is to die and, uh, find out what happens in the afterlife and try and track her down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, it definitely seems like a, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't under, obviously at that point they, they mentioned that it had been almost a decade since he was rebuilt. Um, does that mean that he is still in alpha two? Like, is he mechanical underneath or has he been like re skinned at this point? And is he like actual bones now? Yeah, I don't know. I almost saw it as like they never really planned for these robots to not die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the just, fact that he's gone that long is sort of like a holy shit. That's got to be a record. <laughs> and he's like, we got to put him back in the park. Like he must have been left like this for like experimental reasons. Like what happens if we yeah. don't uh, if they don't get shot up and murdered by our guests? <laughs> well, it did, it did also seem like one of those like uh, corporate understaffing sort of situations too, because they were like, you know, just trying to squeeze by enough of an update to get him back out into the field. And they were like complaining about not having enough manpower to do things right. So maybe that's just kind of the general excuse as to like why you would lose an entire what? $10 million robot, $80 million <laughs> robot. How much is a robot? Right. Yeah, exactly. What are the... What's the economy like in this future world? <laughs> true, true. Dental um, school's it, still an option. <laughs> Very true. But you have to pay for it in diamonds. Right. <laughs> we haven't figured out human teeth technology. <laughs> that That is, yeah, that still does bug me. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we've got all the, the Star Trek uh, fixer-upper guys and uh, still need dentists. <laughs> <Right>. <sighs> the world. Uh, yeah. But uh, this, you, I guess we should kind of branch over to the other quasi-storyline, which is Maeve and uh, a little bit of Sizemore in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is uh, after Sizemore has spent a lot of time with Maeve, I guess he's... 
is he, is he falling in love with her or yeah, is he just like he likes start- to, he's got a rind on her that one <laughs> is that racist i don't know uh, no <laughs> the, i mean he, i don't know if it's love or it's just like admiration or just like the realization of like respect for this being whatever it is yeah um but it's a, yeah he's definitely getting impassioned about mave but um i did she die? I don't. Where Where do we leave her in this episode? I think Is on she, like the brink of death, sort of like she's sort of having her, um, you know, it, white light moment where she's yeah, sort of yeah. like jumping bodies and sort of in the system. Totally. But at the beginning, we have Sizemore bringing her down to the text, trying to uh, get them to open her up and check out her systems. Right. Was he? This one's special. I'm in love with her. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like, was he trying to get in there so that they could access the code and figure out how to control things? Or is he wanting... Well, he obviously came back at some point and was, like, pissed off that he didn't fix her and she was still, like, torn up. But... I don't know. It, it, like, I still don't quite. If it's not, ah, I'm not convinced it's love. <laughs> yeah, it could just be like opportunistic because he sort of got to hear a bit about um, uh, what Dolores had planned yeah. while he was hiding behind a barrel. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, I think I have the good guy here. Well, yeah, and and just the fact that she can control the hosts and like access a level of programming that none of the humans seem to be able to. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it definitely seems uh, worthy to investigate, but yeah, I'm just not clear in, in that mo- regard. What's that? She's overpowered in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not clear of his motivations on that whole aspect of things, though. Yeah, so I'm not shipping those two just yet. <laughs> so, speaking of shipping, we have uh, the ghost and Maeve's daughter uh, making a, uh, uh, oh. I don't know, a dynamic duo there. Yeah, totally. That's, uh, <laughs> especially because kids never grow up, so it's going to be an extremely appropriate relationship for television. Yes. Uh, the um, uh, I mean, there like she gets captured, I guess, by the Ghost Nation along with the Man in Black. Um, but then we pretty much spend most of the episode with what's the main Ghost's name? Do we have a name for him? Oh, the the one that's we're following the entire story. I was yeah, going to yeah. ask for your um, pronunciation of it. Oh, um, I, I'm not even sure what it actually is. It's like, a is ki- it the name a of the kichita? episode? Oh, yeah, yeah, Akichita. That sounds rightish. Um, Akichita. Akichita. <laughs> and then there's some like called Aki. There, there's some you know nicknames, shortenings of it. Well, sure. Everyone's got a short nickname. Your name's not actually Matt. Jeez. No, I know. Well, I'm, uh, I'm not trying to start any any Twitter wars over this. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Nation fail. Hashtag. Yeah. I couldn't get a handle on like which name it was while watching it. And then even while reading it, I'm like, oh, I forget how they were pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Akichida uh, befriends. Uh, Maeve's daughter doesn't have a name, right? She's just like Plains Girl or something like that. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because I don't I don't have a name for her. Right on. Uh, yeah, but they're having that conversation, and I don't has has. Well, yeah, Maeve's daughter has definitely talked, but I don't think she talks at all to the Ghost Nation guy. Does she? Does she talk at all in this episode? No, she's just sort of staring. Yeah, exactly. And he starts talking to her, but he's like 
switching between uh, the Lakota language and English, like back and forth. Hmm. And it, uh, there is a theory that uh, when he's speaking in Lakota, he's talking directly to Maeve. Were you picking uh, okay. up on that at all, or are you buying that uh, that working theory? I could buy that because then you know, knowing the end and seeing how May was sort of able to sort of jump around a bit, yeah, uh, as well that she was sort of skyping in through her daughter, yeah, yeah, and that she was accessing totally, but she like, yeah, she was just kind of observing, and the daughter was sort of like a blank slate or like a terminal that she was just kind of in right. and controlling. And then she finds out that Akichi is like, hey, I'm a friendly ghost. Akichida, <laughs> the friendly ghost. It's <laughs> <laughs> a high sod, and like I thought, it was a cool uh, like arc for this character, and it's cool to see like what his um, motivations are and sort of place in the world, mm-hmm. especially with his like uh, talking with his wife and having you know the uh, you know take my heart when you go, and how he mentioned in earlier episodes the sort of um, you live as long as the last person that remembers you. I thought mm-hmm. like that was kind of bringing the meaning into why they were using the song choice of Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana, which I think they used in a, a trailer earlier, but just yeah. a really cool rendition of it. And I think that's sort of like that's what Akichida sort of is. He's that heart shaped box because he's only died that one time. <laughs> he's the one that can remember you. Mm-hmm. How do you think Mr. Cobain would feel about that usage? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so much to catch up on since he's been gone. I feel like. All right. First off, there was this thing called 9 11. Uh, secondly, <laughs> got to start with that. Then we have the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just kind of get that, like, um, you know, that feeling of, uh, you know, the, the grunger being against anything that is close to selling out. So, like, it feels like it's it would be a selling out moment, but it's also a really cool rendition of the song. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know if that would be something that would be honored in those those circles, or if that would be something that would be like frowned upon. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Like, somebody get Dave Grohl's take on this. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. We, they are still. Some of them are still alive. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that was a a really good choice for that specific scene. Um, I don't like, I guess if you weren't familiar with the song, it would probably have less of a connotation, but I guess that's all of their music. So, you know, uh, uh, Painted Black and all of that stuff, like definitely makes it more, I don't know, more meta, more levels to it, more kind of... um, uh, Joycey and as Mr. Sean O'Brien might say. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was definitely, a, a, a great scene, him waking up and going like through, uh, you know, kind of taking us on a tour of, you know, the old parts. And so at least we now have a timeline that it was within that first decade or so that they shut down the original area that of the trains were like, we first see William and he, he gets his bespoke suit and everything. Yeah. Um, that, to me, that was just kind of a, a cool way to at least show us where that timeline is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that the cold storage has been going on way longer than I thought. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I did like how that, that did give us some timeline perspective as well. But yeah, just really cool. I mean, to see him like experience that sort of level of grief and realize that for every robot that's in that cold storage, there's, mm. you know, so many 
hosts most likely somewhere that are connected. Cares. Yeah, they've been programmed yeah. to be connected with these people that are now just sort of offline forever. Yeah, that, that's true. That's an interesting caveat that have been programmed to connect with these people. Like, is is he going to get to that realization too? Kind of like. Uh, like Dolores did and like Maeve, I don't know, Maeve almost, I feel like, reached the the realization that her love was just given to her, but then kind of backed down on it. I don't, uh, I don't really know where we stand on her with that, but I feel like that is the trend that most of them are moving towards, is that like their robot connections don't really mean anything because someone just told them to think that. Right. And then for Maeve, it's like, but if you want to keep thinking that, then that's your prerogative. Yeah, that's true. Uh, she does, uh, you know, kind of uh, foster the free will or respect the free will more than more than anything. But uh, I guess, to, well, and that's the that's the thing. Dolores respects the free will too, as long as you've had a conversation with her. I think is what we decided on. <laughs> like, if you actually talk to Dolores, then she's less likely to kill you and less more likely to let you make your own decision. Otherwise, eh, off with their heads. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll schedule the debate right after your reprogramming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm feeling very savage and beating worthy. Um, yeah. You'll be reporting directly to Teddy. <laughs> Uh, the, yeah. So yeah, I thought it was quite cool to to get that backstory. So where do you think, um, you know, where does this that leave us? Because we have only what two episodes left this season. Uh, yeah, I think so, something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I heard some people complaining that this was like a filler episode, um, kind of like the uh, the Shogun World episode. Um, but yeah, I definitely think this was. Uh, needed at this point to give us that that new perspective or at least the perspective on uh, introducing the whole door in the the valley beyond sort of situation yeah so I agree it's like a parable in a a lot of ways yeah yeah I think that's going to tie together with obviously it's going to have to tie together with the next couple episodes here but you know the idea of Bernard um, you know we've been in a couple of timelines with Bernard right now where he's like pre and post the um i don't what are we calling that the the revelation in the valley or like when all the robots go to the valley and then end up drowned in the thing with nothing in their brains right the flood like, yeah exactly uh is it teddy flood it is teddy flood well anyways so the uh i think every that um the valley beyond doorway that um our our ghost our friendly ghost saw is what's under the bay that is there now um so i think i think the the doorway is going to be a uh, an electronic doorway rather than a body physical doorway mm-hmm. um i think they're going to be transferring their, you know all those robots that ended up empty i think we're going to have found that they transferred their consciousness either to new bodies or just to like i don't know the general internet yeah i could see that like those bodies are just shells like they're real yeah it's like getting a new car to them yeah, exactly. And we we're also, it's, I think in season one, mentioned how like those bodies are rigged anyways with like bombs if they leave certain perimeters of the park. Oh, could, that's that's true. They could just detonate. So they're kind of useless at a certain point anyways. So mm. if they free their, their consciousness and they can go Ford style and they all just start haunting Bernard. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I mean, uh, getting back to the beginning of this episode, we start off with uh, the the man in black kind of crawling away from his uh, previous torment with uh, Dolores and the uh, uh, what the what do we call the the little minion guys with the dune buggies? Do we have a name for them? Oh, they do have a name, but I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So yeah, he he made his escape from the minions, and he's like doing his death crawl towards the river when our friendly ghost arrives. But I, 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 I still think he's a robot. I don't, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I especially when we get back catch back up with him at the end and his daughter, you know, takes control of him again from the ghost nation guys. And when she's talking about, you know, I have something much worse in store for him. Um, the only thing that I think we've seen that is a much worse face fate than a lot of the things, or I guess I should say the worst fate that we've seen is Mr. Delos. Oh, so yeah. is that what she has in store for him? Just like perpetual insanity and torture of this consciousness that used to be her father. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm riding for like the end of the season arc. Like, mm-hmm. are we going to see this as just being one long fidelity test for a William bot? Well, yeah. I mean, if if William is the one bot that succeeds, it's possibly because they first off never tell him that he is a robot, and secondly, he's pretty much in Westworld, which is a very familiar thing for him. So, like, you know, it it wouldn't be as much of a jump as like most of the other fidelity tests that they've tried. So it's possible yeah, that almost William like the way is, Ford was able to be fine in the cradle. It's like yeah, yeah. Westworld's the cradle for William Bot. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. That's that. That's the certainly the working theory, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think in that case, then either the worst fate is literally just telling William that he's a robot, and then like watching him deteriorate before your eyes, <laughs> right. or yeah, or that William is actually human, and she's going to upload his consciousness and make him live forever and feel that horror. Oh yeah. Because he's the kind of one that's been talking about maybe we're not meant to live forever. And then it's like, oh, whoops. But, we made yeah, this all idiot this is, live forever. Exactly. All this is your fault. You are like torturing this poor Delos guy for fucking eternity forever. Um, now it's your turn. <laughs> right. I don't know. It, is that, it, To me, that's the worst fate I think that we've seen in this show. So I assume it's got to be at least of that level to, to warrant... Uh, um, Grace or Elsie, uh, tyrant uh, or uh, you know backlash at her father. Right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I hope just more characters come into contact with a sunstroked naked Loken. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved his whole rant uh, for the the opening quotes. I was like feverishly trying to scribble out his whole like uh, meandering, like babbling rant there, but I realized I couldn't pull it off properly. But yeah, that is, that that whole like the Ghost Nation realization of you know the the other world and you know this is not the real world and things. Yeah, we're in the wrong it, world. Yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I definitely thought that was definitely, definitely thought that was a a, a, gr- a great little moment there. 
I don't know. I feel, I feel like if I ever had to do an acting monologue or something, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really impressed that they brought Logan back and like they made it a, an interesting plot point for another character that didn't even know how to backstory. So, yeah, I thought that mm. for kind of an overall episode feel was it might not have been like main plot reveal level, but it was just really cool to see that. Like you can see how the world can really continue to expand like a fractal. There's so much we still don't know. And if we, we start diving in, you find some really cool stories. Yeah. What characters do you want to see a full uh, breakout episode of? Hmm. Who, who's Maybe backstory? that really fighty couple. <laughs> really fighty couple. Which of the guests. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Just some like turns into some Malcolm in the, in the middle horror vacation episode. <laughs> or just... if Elsie's also a bot, then we can go into the cradle and then see like the possibility where she is a dentist. <laughs> or we find out that Elsie is actually a dentist and all of this is just her <laughs> VR imagination of what her father should have been. It's right, so how she unwinds after a hard day of dentistry. Yeah. The entire show just ends with her waking up. Oh, that'd be a good idea. I should build robots. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on Wild Wild Westworld. I hope you had a wild, wild time in our wild, wild adventures. Uh, please check out all the shows in the Fawcast Network. We've got Going Down on South Park, Politinkering, Text Before Calling, Literally Literary, and uh, this one, uh, uh, you know, the Wild Wild Westworld. The Wild Wild. Just listen to uh, yeah, Matt, what do you got to plug? Oh, just Wild Wild Westworld on, on Facebook. Check it out. Mm. Facebook.com. You love it. Yeah, give us your crazy theories. Tell us why our theories are stupidly crazy. Yeah, and see how, uh, how you think we're going to, uh, how the season's going to stick the landing or not. <laughs> I think they're going to land, but I think they're going to break their ankle on the way. 